0: This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Ferrari is showing well-heeled customers its soon-to-go-on-sale $400,000 SUV. And we have to ask, is Enzo Ferrari rolling over in his grave? Toyota has just pulled the wraps off its racy GR Corolla. And we'll give you all the details. Co-host Chris Teague must be drooling about this one, uh, maybe raving. We'll see his reaction to that. I know he's a Toyota fanboy. Meanwhile, this is Detroit Auto Show Week, and we'll have Jeep news out of the show for you. There are two new Jeep 4xe submodels to talk about, so we'll talk about them. And a Michigan-based startup called Our Next Energy has unveiled a new anode-free battery pack designed to slash shell costs as much as 50%. We've talked about them a, a little bit before. We have to ask, could this be the battery breakthrough the world is looking for, or will this be another dud? America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash auto insurance. That's drivingtoday.com auto hyphen insurance. Hi, I'm Jack Nerad, with me is co-host Chris Teague, back uh, after a week off. And Chris lives at one end of the country, I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, ways we can make car ownership better for you if we can. Chris, we've had very hot weather here in California, question i have for you is across the country are you starting to see fall set in up in maine
1: you know i'm looking out my window now at some very green leaves but uh later this week we're going to see temps in the 40s and the leaves will start to to change so uh looking forward to some road trips to see uh to do some leaf peeping with the rest of uh new england and all of new york it seems here in a few weeks when they head this way
0: you know it's kind of wacky we have leaves changing out here in california already In fact, they were changing in August, which I don't get. But, uh, you know, we have some gum trees across the street that are changing to red. What vehicle will you be uh, talking about this week?
1: I spent a week with the Nissan Rogue. It's the new Nissan Rogue, the Platinum trim. So I'm excited to talk about that with you.
0: Yeah, and I have somewhat of a competitor to it. Uh, I have the Toyota RAV4 TRD Off-Road. So it's a little off-road oriented, a little different than probably the Rogue you're driving. But its name tells you a lot about its orientation. We'll give you an idea if it lives up to expectations coming up. We also have a terrific guest for everyone. Uh, We'll be talking with Carly Bly. She is Lexus University expert on the all-new lexus rx the 2023 lexus rx their most important vehicle by far but before we do anything else we'll be bringing you some of the most important auto related news from around the world so stay with us <music> welcome back everybody to america on the road with Chris T. this is jackie red with you we're glad chris is back with us this week after a week off where uh matt lorenzo was filling in for him but uh, this is news time and we have some pretty cool news uh, Ferrari has this $400,000 SUV that it's putting out there. The 12-cylinder Puro Sangue, number one, if you're naming a vehicle, probably naming it something that's easier to pronounce than Puro Sangue, and when you look at it, you don't know anyway how to pronounce it, uh, is a good idea. But I guess maybe that makes it exclusive, right? You're a part of the club if you actually know how to pronounce it.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> thoroughbred or purebred, I believe, is, is what it actually means. Uh, you know, everything about Ferrari is exclusive. If you can even walk into a dealership and buy one, uh, you're part of the club. So uh, pronouncing, you know, I guess, is just another password at the door. Right. <laughs> uh,
0: a lot of people are making a lot out of the fact that this is a gasoline-powered car versus a hybrid Um And of course, it's an SUV from Ferrari, which has me scratching my head. I was lucky enough to meet Enzo Ferrari uh, once upon a time and spent some time talking with him. And he was all about racing cars. I mean, he wasn't even excited about their uh, street performance cars. So I think he's probably uh, in in heaven, not going to be real excited about an SUV bearing his name. But uh, I guess that's what these companies need to do to uh, stay afloat. And uh, you know, a lot of brands like this are um, selling more SUVs than they're selling sports cars, uh, starting with Porsche, of course.
1: Yeah, if you look back at the Cayenne, uh, of which one I owned, uh, those vehicles save companies. And Ferrari needs to do that to keep the doors open, I think Enzo <laughs> may be disappointed, but I think he'll be happy to see the lights on.
0: Yeah. So we'll see how that sells. It's going to be fairly limited in terms of production. They're probably going to make... You know, 10,000, 11,000 of them, uh, I think they're they're going out the door quickly, or at least orders are being taken quickly for this vehicle. And it makes sense. It's a cool-looking vehicle. I mean, if you uh, wanted a racy Ferrari SUV, I mean, it would look exactly like what the Puro Sangue looks like, right?
1: Yeah, they don't, I don't think they call it an SUV, do they? They call it a, a four-door Ferrari, right? So they're, they're looking at this thing as just an extension of their, their sports car line, although most people probably won't
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> outside of the company.
0: So uh, it, it does have this uh, electric active suspension that I think should uh, stand in, in uh, good stead. 724, 725 horsepower from its uh, V12, 6.5-liter V12 engine. So certainly powerful enough, and uh, pretty high top speed. I think uh, you know up toward 190 miles an hour or something like that. I think is the top speed for this thing. So uh, that's all Ferrari kind of numbers.
1: Yeah, a little bit quicker than I need to go on the way to uh, school drop off, though. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe away from school drop off. (laughs) Get out of there as quick as you can. Yes. Well, here's uh, I'm not sure whether this is an appropriate car for school drop off either, but I'd like to talk about the uh, GR Corolla from Toyota uh, from uh, Gazoo Racing. You've got to be excited about this, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of kicked myself after I at leased the GTI, uh, seeing this thing being announced, because I was not sure that we were going to see it. But uh, what a fantastic package, right? Manual transmission, all-wheel drive. It's a three-cylinder engine, but man, what an engine. Uh, and I think they did great with the styling. So, you know, predictably, Jack, I'm on board with this car.
0: Yeah, I mean, three-cylinder engine that puts down 300 horsepower. I mean, this is a highly stressed engine that originally started out, I think, in the Yaris uh, was where, where it comes from. Not as much uh, torque as maybe you'd expect, you know, less torque than horsepower, hundred pound feet of torque, something like that. Uh, but uh, zero to 60 time of five seconds. I mean, how do you think this will compare with uh, the uh, GTI that lives in your driveway right now?
1: Well, the GTI and more specifically the Golf R, right, because it's got all wheel drive and it has the 300 horsepower as well uh i think it's going to compare pretty well it's going to blow the gti out of the water you know it's got 60 more horsepower than my gti i think 30 more pound feet of torque or 20 more pound feet of torque i don't know what the car weighs but all-wheel drive is going to get that power down more efficiently and it's going to go around corners quicker so uh, as i said i kind of wish i had waited to uh, pick this one up
0: well and it's interesting too with the all-wheel drive you can dial in the torque split that you want which i think is fascinating i mean usually uh, these are left up to the machine to figure out, you know, what the torque s- split will be. But, yeah, you can tailor that to 60-40, 50-50, 30-70. I think that's really kind of fascinating, isn't it?
1: That is, because you get, you know, the uh, the security of all-wheel drive, if you want to put it that way. But then the sort of enthusiast-friendly side, you can go almost all-wheel rear drive, right? So you said 30-70. So uh, you could probably get the tail out with that much torque. So that's exciting.
0: Yeah. And how about this intelligent manual transmission? I mean, talk about that a little bit. That's pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, Toyota does a good manual transmission although they don't do it enough. Uh, I'm excited to see this one. And with some of the features that they've included, I think it has rev matching which uh, I really enjoy. It kind of takes some of the pain out of downshifting. It takes some of the brain, I guess, out of downshifting yeah. if you want to put it that way. Somebody's going to yell at me for that, I'm sure, but uh, it works well for me and I, you know, I've I've experienced it in other cars and I can't wait to see it. So, uh, all around, you know, I think the, the features they put in this car the uh you mentioned the uh torque factoring the torque splitting the limited slip differential all-wheel drive uh put some good tires on it and i think it'd be a, a beast up here in the snow so uh i would really really looking forward toyota send me one i would love to drive it
0: yeah well I got a choice of tires depending on the addition you get also big brakes really big brakes i'm curious to see what this thing is about and i think toyota was pretty tired of uh you know, hearing from Volkswagen and hearing from Honda, you know, people. And there's a new Civic Type R that's coming out that uh, should be fairly cool, too. So we'll have to see how all that works out. But uh, it will be interesting for certain. And uh, I hope we both get some seat time in these vehicles pretty quickly. Well, let's talk a bit about these variants from Jeep, uh, new 4xe variants of the Grand Cherokee. Uh, was one of the things introduced at the Detroit Auto Show. They're celebrating 30 years of Grand Cherokee uh, with this, and it is the 30th anniversary edition. I like the Grand Cherokee 4xe. I I think it's probably the best Grand Cherokee out there. Uh, What's your take on that vehicle?
1: I agree. The four by E powertrain, uh, is quite good. It's, it's very smooth. It's refined. And I think that added torque down low gives the grand Cherokee, the sort of grunt that it needed without the giant, you know, V8 without a Hemi engine under the hood. So, uh, I like it. I think it works well. I haven't had a chance to use it off road. So we'll have to see how that goes. I th- a lot of others haven't have reported back with positive results. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it, it's got remarkable capabilities off road. I had a chance to drive it off road at one of the introduction events and, uh, I just like it, you know. I like it a lot. Uh, the other four by that they're introdu- they have introduced at the Detroit show is the Wrangler four by Willys, uh, and I love that. You know, I love the Willys name on uh, any any Jeep. Of course, it dates back to the uh, origins of the Jeep, which is pretty co- pretty cool. I think in in the Wrangler form too, that four by power powertrain really works well, and it works well off road too.
1: It does i can't stress enough that added torque down low is a big improvement over uh the, the wrangler comes standard with a v6 you can get a i think you get a turbo four in there but uh, it's a really big benefit off-road
0: yeah interestingly the uh the wrangler four xe is the best-selling plug-in hybrid vehicle in the united states and uh i mean who would that's a head scratcher who would have thought that would be the case but that is the case and um, the 4xe is the new, uh, Willys is the new entry level, and it costs 54000 bucks. <laughs> I mean, that's entry level, but, you know, that's a pretty stiff price. I mean, talk to me about the value there.
1: Whew, value. Well, if you're going to buy a Jeep Wrangler, you know, you're going to spend the money either way. People who want to buy a Wrangler are going to buy that. Uh, I think the powertrain for the right person is worth the money. I mean, it is a pricey upgrade to, to the Wrangler if you look at it compared to, comparable uh, options. Otherwise, would I spring for the money if I were buying a Wrangler? Probably not. But then again, I would probably not buy a Wrangler for a daily driver. It would be more of a weekend toy for me. So, I mean, I guess it really depends on where you fall. If you're using it for commuting, yeah, probably, probably be a good idea.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the neat thing, too, is you can uh, turn off the uh, electric only or hybrid system and save your electric power for when you're driving off-road and then use it out there. And there, I mean... Uh, uh, 20 or 30 miles of range on electricity goes a long way when you're going really slow and, and crawling through the through the woods. And doing that silently is probably a pretty cool thing to do.
1: Yep. And then you've got a gas engine to take you home at the end of the day. So. Yeah.
0: And you want to get home probably and have the mosquitoes. <laughs> well, I want to talk a bit about this battery that we alluded to in the opening segment. Uh, I think the cool thing about it is it uses two different uh, types of battery cells, one for short-term use and one for long-term use. And um, maybe that's the the answer. I don't know. I mean, the, certainly, when you are talking about a startup, there could be a lot of hype in here, but uh, what's your quick take on uh, what that might do for us?
1: Well, I think the more options we have with battery tech, the better the more the quicker we could get more technologies to market, improve charging times, uh, range, safety, all those things. It's better for consumers.
0: Interesting stuff. The secret sauce seems to be uh, the large format range extender cells. The standard cells use the conventional lithium ion phosphate cath- cathodes and graphite anodes. Take that into account. <laughs> you probably knew that already. The range extender cells are anode-free. That eliminates the use of graphite and anode-making equipment, making them simpler and cheaper to make, which is important. The, the goal is to use uh, cathode materials that are not as expensive as and uh, are more sustainable than the common materials uh, used uh, typically now. Uh, Manganese is is one of these materials that uh, might replace some of the more expensive um, materials used in production of batteries. Uh, The the goal is to uh, lower the cell cost in mass production. What they expect to do, again this is speculation, is reduce mass production to $50 per kilowatt hour. That's a really significant savings over the current cost. Those are estimated to be at 100 to $110 per kilowatt hour. So if I'm doing my math right, that's cutting them in about half, something like that. Uh, the goal is to launch the Gemini battery uh, from this company, One, or O-N-E, uh, in 2026 with zero cobalt in the use. Uh, cobalt is, is one of those more expensive and harder to find materials, uh, less prevalent out there. And 20% uh, nickel or less, and replacing that with manganese. So we'll have to see what happens with that. It could be a, a big advantage. Again, uh, this is uh, speculative. But uh, if we can get the cost of batteries down, electric vehicles become much less costly. and maybe can, can, can compete head-to-head with internal combustion engine vehicles. So that would be a, an interesting uh, take, and I'm sure you agree with that, Chris. Well, when we come back, we will be talking about two very interesting vehicles, the Nissan Rogue and the Toyota RAV4 in TRD off-road trim. So stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nyrad, with you and his road test time. And we have two pretty comparable vehicles in in the really hottest segment of the market. That is the compact SUV segment of the market. Uh, Chris, you were driving the Nissan Rogue. Tell us about your findings there.
1: I spent the week with the Nissan Rogue, Jack, and we talked a little bit about this last year when I drove it and the Mitsubishi Outlander back to back. Uh, Man, what a what a big upgrade the recent generation Rogue is over the previous generation. I think the the previous model became almost a punchline. People love to kind of rag on the transmission and the sort of floppy driving dynamics, uh, but all that is gone. This is a, an all new vehicle. This is uh, last year or 2021, I think was the upgrade. Uh, so for 2022, Nissan added a three cylinder engine over the four cylinder engine that it had before. Uh, and in 2023, it gets a few new uh, options and some of the trim levels uh, shuffle around a little bit. I tested the top platinum model, Jack. Uh, the vehicle starts at around 30 in the low $30,000 range. This one uh came in at just under $40,000. As I mentioned, it's a turbocharged three-cylinder engine. makes 201 horsepower, 225 pound-feet of torque. Uh, my vehicle had all-wheel drive. Front-wheel drive is standard, though, uh, and through a continuously variable transmission is what sends power to the wheels. Jack, I think Nissan does a CVT better than almost anybody else. What do you think about their continuously variable transmissions? I can see your smile coming.
0: Well, I, you know, I I think for most people they won't be as critical of a CVT as we are as enthusiast drivers. Uh, there's some weird characteristics about them, but I think Nissan has tuned most of those out of uh, the the current model, and it, it's not nearly as objectionable to me as it was before, and, and I think for most people, they won't care uh, a bit about it.
1: I agree with that. Acceleration is smooth. The interior of the vehicle is very quiet. Uh, uh, Nissan did a good job with noise cancellation and noise insulation. I will say, uh, when you sit inside the vehicle, uh, you really do feel isolated from the outside world, which is surprising uh, in a vehicle at this price point uh, and from the brand. Right, Nissan's a mainstream brand. Uh, this uh, the Rogue has seat, seating for five. If you need seating for more than that, the Nissan, or I'm sorry, the Mitsubishi Outlander, which is mechanically similar, uh, does have fold-away third row seats. They're very small third row seats. I will say that, but if you need them, they are there. As I mentioned, acceleration is smooth. Pretty good acceleration from a three-cylinder engine. Uh, we didn't have any snow over here in late summer, so I didn't get to test the all-wheel drive, but uh, it's smooth, it's refined. As I mentioned, it's quiet. Plenty of power for cruising around town. Uh, highway driving is much the same as well. Inside, this vehicle has uh, quilted leather, which is uh, which is shockingly upscale for a Nissan Rogue. Uh, you get cloth in the base trims. They feel good too. I tested one of those last year. I don't think anybody could go wrong buying a base Rogue Jacket. It's pretty nice all the way through. Uh, Have you had a chance to sit and drive one? And what do you think of the, uh, the improvements with the new generation?
0: Yeah, I was lucky enough to go on the launch event out here in California and, um, I was really impressed with the the new Nissan rogue I think they've done a great job with it as you say the the upper level trim is very very luxe it is uh, luxury like I mean absolutely luxury like you could you know put an infinity badge on there and it wouldn't be out of place at all um, I like the vehicle a lot
1: yeah, don't tempt them with the Infinity badge. We'll we'll see that next year. The the QX35 <laughs> or whatever. Um, anyway, inside again, uh, plenty of technology. This is I'm going to talk about the top level here. Uh, you know, lower trims may have different features, but uh, my tester has the top end infotainment system. It's a nine inch display. It comes with navigation. It's got a 3D display for buildings. So if you're in town, you can kind of tilt the display and it shows a three dimensional view. It's it's you know kind of a gimmick, but it's nice if you want it. Uh, I use Apple CarPlay, Apple Maps, and Google Maps, so uh, that's not something that is really a big deal for me. Wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are present here and they work well, very well, very quickly. You start the car up uh, and your phone is connected. By the time you get settled in and buckled, the the phone is connected to the car and you're ready to go. Uh, Optional head-up display here shows traffic sign information and safety alerts, uh, and of which safety equipment, uh, I should start that over, safety equipment, of which there is a lot, uh, includes blind spot monitoring, forward collision alerts, um, rear cross traffic alerts, and the list goes on and on, Jack. This is a value packed car. It's hard to call one at forty thousand dollars cheap, but I think what you're getting for that forty grand uh, justifies the price tag.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting—a compact SUV at forty grand, but uh, like I say, pretty much a luxury vehicle in that trim. And uh, I think you can get a, a Nissan Rogue for well under thirty thousand uh, dollars as an entry level. So uh, that makes some sense. Well, the vehicle I was testing is the Rav4 TRD Off Road. You know, this generation of the Rav4—it's the fifth generation of the Rav4—was uh, introduced in 2019. So, you know, a few miles on it now uh, since we're entering the 2023 model year. But this—the uh, TRD Off Road edition was um, all new for 2022. I'm getting a chance to drive it. It has a base list price of of uh, a little over $36,000. So I think it'll probably option up about uh, equal to the uh, Rogue Limited that you were driving, uh, right around 40K or so. Um, It has the same engine as all RAV4s have, the 2.5 liter four-cylinder gasoline engine with the eight-speed direct shift automatic transmission. Uh, Fuel economy is pretty good, although uh, a little less good in the TRD off-road edition than it is in the LE model, which is the high fuel economy, but uh, still... Good stuff. Um, it offers pretty serious uh, ground clearance, 8.6 uh, inches of ground clearance. So you like that. Uh, it has uh, TRD alloy wheels with all-terrain tires. That's important, and you know I think a key bit of what's going on here. All-wheel drive equipped, as I say, uh, as you would expect with an off-road edition. Um, not the uh, two-speed transfer case that you're going to see in Jeeps. Uh, but fairly capable off-road. It also has the uh, dynamic torque vectoring all-wheel drive uh, with uh, disconnect, dri- rear drive line disconnect. So that's all to the good. What's your take on uh, the RAV4 as an off-roader and, and ver- versus, say, the, the 4Runner, which is kind of the dedicated off-roader of similar size?
1: Well Toyota's just one of many automakers doing this with their their SUV, their small SUVs right now so Subaru's got the Wilderness trim going uh, Hyundai and Kia or Hyundai has the, is it the XR or whatever that is? And uh, so I think it's clever. They're going to sell as many as they can make. And that's evidenced by the fact that you probably can't buy one for MSRP right now. Uh, but they've got the style. They've got enough off-road capability to take most people where they need to go, right? Eight, eight point, whatever clearance inches of clearance you said, uh, that's pretty serious. That's, that's more than most people would use. Um, it could take you camping. It could take you light off-roading. So I think they've done a good job doing, hitting the target market, right? People who want to appear to be able to go off-road, uh, but may not be able to use the, the capability of a 4Runner, which is pretty hardcore when you look at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got the looks. You have a much uh, better driving experience day-to-day, I think, in the RAV4 than you would have in the 4Runner, which, uh, you know, basically is a truck and kind of beats you up a little bit uh, for uh, your off-roading. There, all RAV4s have now have the Toyota Multimedia. Uh, which is a big improvement over the previous Toyota uh, multimedia efforts. Uh, This is their North American homegrown uh, thing that they've done. And uh, I think a a big advantage, you know, still uh, a little glitzy uh, or a little glitchy, uh, both glitzy and glitchy, I guess, at times. What's your take on it? You've probably driven some Toyotas with the new system. What's your take on it?
1: It is light years ahead of where it was, but as you mentioned, it still has progress uh, to make before it catches up with a U-Connect from Stellantis or Ford's uh, SYNC, but again, much better than it used to be.
0: Yeah. Well, I think overall, I'm a big fan of the RAV4. My uh, One of my daughters drives a fourth generation RAV4. Uh, it has been a stellar vehicle for her. Uh, and I just think it's, it's such a good all-around vehicle. There's a reason that it sells so well. I think in TRD off-road form, um, it gives the off-roader, most off-roaders what they need, right? Or most people who at least hope to be an off-roader, right? Uh, gives them what they need and uh, maybe no more and, and for a pretty palatable price. So I think it's it's a good value. I agree. And we have the Rogue also is a pretty good value. So I think uh, we're liking what, what we've seen from our road test vehicles this time around. So good stuff. Good stuff yes. from both those vehicles. And there's reasons that those are you know, hot selling vehicles in the marketplace. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com autoinsurance That's drivingtoday.com auto insurance. Well, when we come back, we will be talking with Carly Bly. She works at Lexus University. Uh, I wonder how their football team is doing this year. We'll, we'll have to ask her about that. I guess I didn't ask her about that. But she'll be talking about the all-new 2023 Lexus RX. Very exciting. I was driving at the uh, driving event in the on the central coast of California. Chatted with her about this. She's an expert on that. So uh, stay with us for that. And with Chris Teague, this is Jack Nierad with you. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America. We're in Santa Maria, California, driving an interesting vehicle with a great guest, a terrific guest, an expert on the Lexus RX, the new 2023 Lexus RX. Carly Bly is with Lexus College. You help all kinds of Lexus people understand (laughs) this vehicle better than they do now, right? I do. Uh, That's important. Thanks so much for being with us. Tell us a bit about uh, RX. It's a really important vehicle for Lexus.
2: RX is a very important vehicle for us. Um, you know, right now, I think we're so excited because it's helping continue to move the brand forward. We look at four really important pillars with it, and it checks all the boxes. It's You know, we're looking at technology, electrification, design, and performance. And with the all-new RX, we've hit it out of the park
0: let's dive into one of those that I think is not necessarily intuitive to somebody who's thinking about Lexus right which is performance yeah I mean luxury yes comfort tech probably but performance not necessarily so much but certainly in this new RX tons of performance
2: right 100% yes so there's multiple variations right multiple powertrains the biggest one though to speak to performance is the RX 500h which is our f-sport performance all-wheel drive model Now this one is hands-down the performance model if a customer is looking for one. And the reason is, it's the first time we've ever had a turbo paired with a hybrid system. So not only that, it also has a very intelligent all-wheel drive system called Direct4. Both of which add benefit for the customer, especially in those performance situations when they're really looking to hunker down close to the ground and cornering and get a more linear connection with the vehicle. This one is going to be the choice for them.
0: Expand on that a little bit because I think a lot of our listeners hear hybrid and they go, Well, I don't know about performance. I understand fuel efficiency. I understand that it's much more efficient than a a typical gasoline-powered vehicle, but why performance? Tell us about that.
2: So 500H is a completely new powertrain for us, right? So not only did I mention it's a 2.4 turbo paired with the hybrid system, um, the other thing is it's paired with a six-speed automatic transmission. That is completely new for us and it's driven by performance so you have those aspects paired with a rear e-axle in the back which is a larger motor which is going to help really give that performance to the vehicle while keeping it a hybrid so yes you are correct right there are some added benefits occasionally with fuel economy especially with hybrids that's why people traditionally buy them but in this case yes it is a hybrid variation but it is truly meant for performance when you look at all of the different pieces under the hood and under the vehicle. So
0: one of the important things with 2023 RX is you're offering two different hybrid powertrains right? Right. I mean the kind of more traditional hybrid powertrain and then this performance oriented hybrid powertrain where the front wheels are driven by the turbo engine right and then the rear wheels have the supplemental electric power.
2: Correct so they're slightly different right when you look at them the RX 350h is for that buyer that is more um, fuel-efficient conscious if you'll say right it's still a great vehicle it's luxury it's comfort it's all the things that a customer would want in an rx and they're getting that great fuel economy with the added benefit of an all-wheel drive system and the all-wheel drive system on that vehicle is really geared towards again when the driver needs it in slippery road conditions or losing traction that's when it's really going to kick in however it's going to default back to better fuel economy when it's not needed The difference in that 500h is the fact that it is really geared towards performance so those front and rear components are going to work together to give more of a performance drive feel versus only when you're needing it in slippery conditions right so you're going to send more power to the rear especially when driving on tight corner roads needing more torque distribution those kinds of things the physical direct force system is a much more intelligent all-wheel drive system it knows when to send power to which wheels to enhance performance More so than maybe just having wheel slippage.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And and, uh, we've experienced it today, and it absolutely works. At the same time, the bulk of your sales are going to be with a conventional powertrain, right? Tell us about that.
2: So the 350 is our gas. It is going to be something that is 70% of the sales roughly. Um, I know Sakiko you spoke with has a lot of the marketing information she's provided, but yes, that is going to continue to be the volume seller. Um, Also looking at the volume grades will be the premium and the premium plus but the gas in itself is the RX 350. Now this system is paired with a 2.4 liter turbo and an eight speed automatic transmission. So it has 275 horsepower and 317 feet pound of torque. Now that is an increase over current generation. So everyone's gonna ask the question, why'd the change come between V6 to a 2.4 turbo? And all I can say is drive the car because that additional torque makes up for it completely. I
0: think with turbos now, current turbos, less totally performance oriented but allows much better tuning and a broader torque curve. Am I right with that? And, and that improves drivability kind of across the board.
2: I mean you tell me you drove the vehicle. What do you think? I
0: thought it was very nice. Yeah. yeah it, feels, it feels very very good. And you certainly don't miss the V6 and I think you're probably getting added fuel economy. You're getting a, a yeah. broader torque curve and just better drivability overall.
2: Correct. All in all it's like I said I think all three powertrains are really going to be able to meet the needs of all of the customers and what they're wanting.
0: Let's talk about the interior of this vehicle. Very, very important. It's a luxury brand vehicle, certainly. A lot of luxury and a lot of variations within the interior. Walk us through that a little bit, would you?
2: So, depending on what the model, the grade, all of the differences between them, right? There is a lot of options and the reason we did that is we wanted to give our customers the option to really pick what they wanted. So, from an interior perspective, there's everything from Nulux, which is going to be the synthetic leather that's very, very durable, um, then there's also. And almost two.
0: indistinguishable from leather for a lot of people, I very think. Very
2: right? much so. You you really can't tell the difference. If you go between the two, it's very difficult to tell which is which. So you have Nulux, you also have leather, and then there's also the addition of semi-aniline leather, which is an even, even higher quality leather. So Why
0: didn't you go to full-aniline? That's why I always wondered that. It's always semi-aniline.
2: You know, mm-hmm. um, it's a naming nomenclature. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> I mean, we see that all the time. I've never seen full analy- leather, so I'm sorry. I'm no, no, no. Facetious.
2: No, no it, you know what? I think you make a very valid question of why don't we switch the name uh, to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, uh, various seating opportunities uh, in terms of seating fabric. Yes. At the same time, different I- levels of adjustability based on price, based on levels, based on you know, the performance or lack of performance of the, of the particular vehicle too, right?
2: Correct. So depending on what model, what grade customer chooses, there's a standard eight-way power seat and then an available 10-way and that's going to be on the luxury grade, for example. Um, again, depending on if they get F-Sport handling, F-Sport performance, luxury, premium, there's going to be different options. If a customer chooses to get a leather seat, for example, they have the ability to get heated and ventilated rear seats for the first time in Rx. And that's a 40-60 split with the outboard seats being heated and ventilated. The other So day, that middle
0: seat per, uh, person doesn't have that, but everybody else th- does?
2: Correct. And that's, again, you can get it on the front passenger driver and then in the two rear. And then for customers that really want a convenience factor in the luxury and then in the F Sport performance, they have the ability to have power folding rear seats.
0: And this is a two-row vehicle up till now. There might be a three-row coming at some future date that you cannot confirm.
2: I was just going to say, you know, I can't talk future product. Yeah,
0: you could nod, you could kind of <laughs> wink and nod. Let's talk about infotainment. Yep, big important thing, uh, and kind of in a lot of ways has the potential to be a dissatisfier, right? I mean, people can get confused, it doesn't work the way they hope it would. It's it's critical here, and you have a couple options in terms of screen size. Just walk us through that whole process.
2: For sure. So, um, on the entire lineup, the standard screen size is 9.8. It has an available option for 14-inch. Now, again, depending on model grade, it's either an option or standard, but starting out on the standard grade, it's going to be the 9.8-inch infotainment screen. Um, that is paired with interface which is something we launched two vehicles ago on nx and as you said it has the potential to either be amazing or a learning curve and in this case we've really looked at it as how can we make sure everybody's well or uh, well versed on it to be knowledgeable on it Uh, and in doing so people are starting to really understand this is a very driver-centric feature right it's designed in north america based on what the north american customer wants so not only is it very heavy on voice commands It's powered by Google points of interest for the dynamic navigation that just constantly updates, which is awesome. Um, You have wireless CarPlay as well as wireless Android Auto or wired if you prefer, if you need to keep it charging. But hey, guess what? You don't have to plug it in because there is the available wireless charger, right? So there's a lot of features that pair with Interface to really give that customer experience. The other thing we really need to make sure our customers are aware of are those user profiles that are in the vehicle with Interface. And the reason that's so important is, again, it goes back to customizing the experience. The first thing I do when I get into a car that's not mine, that drives my mother crazy, for example, when I'm in her car, I adjust her mirrors. I adjust her seat. I adjust her radio. I do everything to make it how I want it to be. And every time I get out of the car, she gets mad because I've changed all of her settings (laughs) and she gets really frustrated. So user profiles give those ability to really customize. So when I get in the vehicle, it knows, oh, Carly's getting in the car now. So in that case, we're going to move her seat to where she wants to be. Oh, I know she loves Sirius XM56. We're going to turn it to her favorite channels. And there you go. You're in your vehicle ready to go. You don't have to spend five minutes messing with all those pieces.
0: Right. And you're a country music fan on top of that, aren't you? I am. You like the highway. Our I wife do. does too. <laughs> well, uh, that's cool. It's also a touchscreen system, right? And, yes. and Previously, Lexus had some other systems that were not necessarily as intuitive, as, I think, to the North American driver, right? Uh, walk us through that a little
2: You know, we constantly look at what the customers want, and we listen to feedback. That is an entire department in the division its voice of the customer, right? We want to hear what they're saying and how we can improve. That is a fundamental of the company is Kaizen, is how can we continue to improve? So by adding interface into our lineup, that really has listened to the need of, we need simplicity and we want the system to work for us. That's why it's voice activated, it's touch screen. Everything is at the tip of your fingertips where you can touch a button and get where you need to, or you can just say, hey, Lexus, take me to Starbucks, versus having to put it in the navigation as an example.
0: I, I think uh, Toyota and Lexus uh, went, to the ex- went the extra mile to do this, right? I mean, they could have stuck with the system they'd had before and just tried to do training and tried to work through some customer problems. Instead, they attacked it head on and, and decided, okay, we're going to change the system pretty markedly and uh, go forward, and I think uh, you're going to reap the benefits from that.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I know they, they've worked really hard on it. They still work on it constantly. That's the joy of it is we just keep working to make it better.
0: With the 2023 Lexus RX, what is your favorite feature? What is something that you look at and go, wow this is pretty cool, I like this.
2: You know I think and it's, it's a very small feature and everybody's been laughing when I say it but I genuinely mean this is my favorite feature. Uh, it's a two-part feature and it's the rear hatch. So the rear hatch actually opens about three seconds faster. It is much quicker when opening. Yeah. And when from, you're
0: holding grocery bags, that's a big deal. It right? is a you're, huge deal. Yeah,
2: it yeah. really is. So for me that's a huge feature and then on top of it it's got a locking feature that you can hit the button and it will lock as you walk away. So not only does it close, but then the entire vehicle locks. So as, as I'm taking all those groceries back into my apartment, I can load them up, press the button, or press the button first, and it will stay open for a certain amount of time while I grab everything and then leave. And I don't have to worry about the fact that I have to go back and close it and lock the car and do all the things with it.
0: I know you're kind of, uh, Alexis, you probably not personally, but uh, Alexis is trying to interest younger families in the RX. What are some of the features you think are most interesting to, to that demographic?
2: I think if you look at a lot of the features within the new RX, there's probably more than that I can mention here, but I'll give you a few. Obviously, the hatch is a big piece, as I mm-hmm. mentioned. That That is huge for the buyer. Um, it does have a foot-activated liftgate that's also huge for families, right? Especially if you've got somebody that's got a family or kids walking around, they need to put multiple things in, they don't have hands available, kick, open. Um, you look at safe exit assist. That is another huge feature. It's a convenience feature if you have kids in the back seat, or, again, even teenagers and you're parallel parked on the side of the road. You want to make sure.
0: Old people who are not paying attention. I mean,
2: <laughs> anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Anybody that's looking to get out of the vehicle with oncoming traffic, the vehicle's constantly watching behind it within a certain amount of time being turned on or off, right? and then it alleviates that concern if I'm going to open the door into traffic. So obviously the system is a little more complex than that. However, high level it is a fantastic convenience feature for those that are concerned. And again, our busy bodies that spend time on parallel park roads, for example.
0: And when is RX coming to market?
2: Uh, We are looking for later this year, later 2022.
0: Well, Carly Bly, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. Expert on the RX for 2023. Thanks so much. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nierad, back with you. We're glad Chris is back with us this week. And it is listener question time. We've come to the end of the show already. We're just rocketing through the show. Uh, And uh, I always get a little sad at this time, a little wistful, because we're going to quit talking about cars for a while. But we do have a good listener question, I think, Chris. And uh, what is it?
1: We do. This one's from Leonard. He's in Missoula, Montana. We were just talking in one of the great cities of Montana. Uh, he's uh, been looking for a plug-in hybrid SUV, Jack. He's been shopping and he's looking for one of the better ones. And he wants to know if we have recommendations.
0: I have several recommendations, and I bet you do too. Uh, one of the ones I would point to is kind of the sister vehicle to one we talked about in the show a little earlier, and that's the Toyota RAV4 Prime i think that's a really excellent vehicle from so many points of view it's the fastest uh of the rav4s by far it's got 302 net horsepower zero to 60 in 5.7 seconds so that's pretty cool in and of itself and then it has all the stuff that that revolves around it it being a plug-in hybrid including the 94 mpge number which is a nice stout number you know that's a a good number here so I think, and it has everything that a a RAV4 has plus more acceleration. You're nodding your head. I think you like that vehicle a lot, right?
1: Yeah, adding a little bit of speed along with your fuel economy is never a bad thing, Jack.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you you were saying uh, when we were off air, you have one in your driveway that you think is a pretty cool one as well.
1: I do. I'm testing the uh, Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid this week. I think that's an excellent option. And just like you mentioned, the Volvo plug-in hybrid powertrain a few weeks ago, Jack, I tested the XC60 last week, which is the recharge plug-in hybrid, and that was an excellent choice as
0: well. Yeah. And I think the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe that we talked about uh, a little earlier here, now there's a new 30th anniversary edition of the Grand Cherokee that is a 4xe, uh, is another one to look at. And of course, there's the uh, Wrangler Unlimited 4xe, Uh, that is the best-selling plug-in hybrid out there. So I think some pretty good choices we have for Leonard in Missoula, Montana, right?
1: Yeah, no shortage.
0: And Chris, uh, always great to talk with you about cars. Thanks so much for co-hosting today.
1: Thank you, Jack. Thanks everybody for listening. I'll say if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, head to the SportsMap Radio website at sportsmapradio.com and check us out on the Saturday morning schedule. There you can find a radio formatted podcast as well as our podcast on all the major platforms.
0: Right. Our Thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network stations for carrying America on the Road. We appreciate that. And of course, we appreciate you listening to America on the Road. You're the reason we do what we do. So thanks so much for being out there. Uh, Thanks to Chris Teague for doing his great job of co-hosting and uh, we'll join you again next week for another edition of America on the Road.